Welcome to the Color of Influence podcast, where you will hear conversations from influential people of color from around the world, from social media, and right here in your communities. These behind the scenes conversations will motivate you, inspire you, and encourage you. I am your host, Aisha Morgan, and let's meet today's guest. Today on the podcast, I will be talking to Coach Cam, who is a former U of H alumni and student athlete. Coach Cam played football at U of H while I was running track, but now he is diving into the world of politics. He is a Democratic candidate for state representative of District 132 in Katy and Cypress, Texas. We are going to talk about the importance of local elections. We focus so much on our presidential elections and our governor's races, but our local elections are just as important. So we need to go out there and flex our right to vote. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special guest, one of my fellow U of H alumni, Cameron Campbell. He is here to talk to us about local elections. Um, he is running for office and I'm gonna let him introduce himself tell us all about it. And then we're going to really talk about why it's so important to vote in these local elections. Um, and, you know, talk about his stance on, you know, kind of what he's running on as far as politics and then go from there. So Cameron, go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll get started. All right. So good evening. My name is Coach Cam. I'm your Democratic candidate for state representative in House District 132 that's here in Katy and Cyprus. Those are the two furthest west suburbs of uh, Houston, nestled right here in Harris County. And in that position, like what will you be doing? Because I think that that's one of the biggest things as someone who's not into politics, we see the signs on the streets, you know, we hear people talk about it here and there, we see stuff on social media, but we don't know what, the local elected officials always do. So what are you going to be responsible for when you win? Yeah, so it, when I win, that's right. That's right. Talk that cool good talk. So the shortest, the, the shortest thing I say is like get our state back on track, right? So what I would say to folks who are new to the to the political space, and I'm relatively new myself. We can kind of talk about my journey, how I got here, but yeah. the lower down the ballot the election is the closer it impacts you, okay, right? And so when you think about the bottom of the ballot, <clears throat> all those judicial candidates and those judges, those are the people you see time in and time out, right? And so the role of state representative ultimately is to represent their constituency in Austin. And a part of that role is creating laws and policies that are in the best interest of their, uh, their, rep their district as well as the state but also, you know, advocating for, you know, dollars to be spent and where dollars should be spent that's in the best interest of everybody, not just a select few. Okay. See, now I had no idea, like, <laughs> what, like, I'm like, I don't know that y'all talk about roads or something. I don't, I had no clue, like, what, you know, a state representative did. Because um, we always hear about, like, senators and the mayor. A lot of people do now I feel like know about like the judges and stuff just because of what happened with George Floyd and like some of the cases that came before him 
where mm -hmm. the officers were, you know, not given even sentence at all, um, no charges. So we kind of learn like what the prosecutors do and all that stuff. But tell me and my audience how you got started in politics, because you were not a politician <laughs> when we met. <laughs> That's right. Years ago. Years ago. That's so crazy. It, it is like so crazy. Number one, how many times our paths have crossed. Yes. Um, and it's just like, you know, so in hindsight, it's like if you look back at our time at U of H, you can kind of see it. It's like I played football. I did a student FA advisory thing. I did the student uh, alumni organization. So I was always like active and stuff outside of just athletics. But for me, uh, last year, I was sitting on my. So first off, after President Biden was elected, if you remember, like as a country, it just kind of felt like we had an upset stomach. Like things just felt like really unsettled. And so. Yeah. I've always been kind of a history history nerd. And so I had Benjamin Franklin's biography as a book I've always wanted to read. And I kind of like had it kind of like in case of emergency, kind of like, you know, like a treat to myself. Yeah. And so I was reading Benjamin Franklin's biography on my couch and I was reading on my phone and I put my phone down and looked up at the TV and these crazy folks were attacking the Capitol. And mm -hmm. so I, I like, so I went from feeling like extremely patriotic and we're like a young democracy and we're going to figure this out to like, like, there's no way that federal, state or local leadership is effective right now for this to happen. Yeah. And so and I know you're from the East because you, you're from Jersey, right? Right. I got yep. the weirdest. I'm telling you, like, I'm, I, I got a little <laughs> memory, man. So, so, so I was an athlete that read every sports like SID book. Mm -hmm. like, I know like where everybody's from. I was one of those guys. So yeah. um, so the same way that I would say like for you and your family respectfully, like the way that you felt during 9-11, how we just like struck in a very different way. Yeah. That's how the capital attacks felt for me. And, you know, so I called the party and, you know, they asked me to run like, hey, would you consider running? And I was like, yeah. So I kind of mapped out like really effective leaders and I looked for like weak, inexperienced invisible representation mm -hmm. and i found state representative and house district 132 and you know me i'm a dog so i was like oh i could beat that guy yeah so, <laughs> so i set my eyes on it was like yeah i'm about to dog walk this dude and that that's that's kind of what got me here now when you say you called the party like what does that mean who did you call so i called like the dnc the democratic national party like in dc this oh, is like okay. so january 6th happened like january 8th i called like, and they were like, yeah, like call TDP, Texas Democratic Party. So I called Texas Democratic Party. And they were like, yeah, call Harris County Democratic Party. They kind of like sent me like down the filter. Yeah. And so I ended up talking to somebody here locally and they were like, well, we've got, you know, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'll door knock, I'll call. Like I had no intention of, I had zero intentions of running. I was just like, I'll, I'll knock doors a couple hours a week or like I'll write letters, like whatever I can do to kind of help this get back on track. Right. And they were like, well, would you run? And I was like, I mean, I never thought about it, but yeah, right. Like I would. And so kind of going back to like our time at U of H, I actually was a poli sci major my freshman year. Um, uh, do you remember? Gina? So Gina talked me out of yeah. being a poli sci major. She was like, are you going to go to law school? And I was like, well, no, she was like, you may want to figure out something else to kind of <laughs> major in. And so it is funny, like how this thing kind of ended up coming like all the way full circle. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So from there, 
what do you do? Like, do you have to fill out a bat like a form to run? Do you have to get votes? Like, do you have to get petitions? Like, how do you just get on the ballot? So the first thing is, I think that the gift that our previous president gave us was he lowered the standard to serve as a politician, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, even like calling myself, like you know I me, mean? like I'm, I'm not a politician. Right. <laughs> you know I me, mean? I'm just like a community servant, and so. Um, there are, there's two ways essentially to get started. So there is like a little bit of paperwork and then you can either, uh, do, so you can either pay a filing fee, which depending on what race depends on the cost of the filing fee, mm -hmm. or you can do like a, a signature petition. And again, depending on the race depends on how many signatures you need. And so I think okay. the signature petition for this race was either, 750 signatures or 1250 or something like that and yeah. you know so it's one of those things where it's like uh democracy works right so so the whole thing with this entire process the one thing it's shown me is if you are able to galvanize the people that means you're moving in the right direction yeah and so 75 you know or, or 1250 signatures or 750 like that sounds like a lot but if you think about it, like if you go to church and collect 200, stand outside of a football game and collect, right? So it's just like, right. are you, yeah. so the whole test is like, are you willing to put your name out there to say, like, there are people in my community who either at least know me, who see me around, but like, I am of the people. And it's one of those tests where like, yeah, it's kind of uncomfortable, but you know I mean? So it was being an athlete. Right. Yeah. So once you, you know, had everything in place, how do you start campaigning? Like, we know there's a primary. So who kind of guided you through how to campaign? Yeah, so so what I'd say to that is like being a coach and an athlete and an entrepreneur really, really, really cut a lot of the learning curve down for me. So the first thing you learn as an entrepreneur is the first um the first wave of people to come at you, mm -hmm. typically you don't even waste your money with. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. whether they're consultants or lawyers or whatever else, it's like those are the people who, you know, like no disrespect, but it's like there are some things you have to learn by trial. So the first thing I knew was, you know, hold on to my money <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and like learn as much as I can. And so the one really dope thing about the Democratic Party is there are so many learning resources that are like, no cost or close yeah. to no cost. Okay. So the first one that I used was the NDTC, the National Democratic Training Committee. It's literally like, just imagine like Wikipedia for politics all mm -hmm. put together on a website. And so there's like virtual learning, there's webinars, there's podcasts, there's like worksheets. So that was the first place I started. The second place I started was a group called Arena and they focus on... Um, candidates of color who, again, are just looking to kind of get started to kind of learn what's what. Then the last one is a group called Run for Something that does like fantastic work and they focus exclusively on, on candidates of color. And so you know, the first thing I say is like learn, right? So again, it goes back to, to being an athlete, learn, observe, execute. And I right. think like that's kind of what the order of it is. And so, you know, I think a lot of people try to go into the execute first, and you just end up kind of, you know, setting yourself back a couple of months. And so that's kind of how I got started. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are a ton of resources that are close to no cost or most of them are no cost just to kind of help you figure out 
what you should be running for, what you should be doing with your time and stuff like that. Okay. Now, were there any requirements? I know you said that the former president lowered the bar. So were there requirements? Did you have to have a degree? Did you have to, I don't know, have any certificates or anything? Just it's got to be a citizen. Okay. <laughs> you have to be a citizen. And I think you had to live in district like six months or 18 months. Or so. I mean, oh, it's, you okay. know, like a, like a really easy bar to check, right? Yeah. Maybe six months, but yeah. So, I mean, again, depending on the race, depending on what you're running for, it does depend, right? So like if you're running for a judge, obviously you have to be a lawyer. If you're running for, um, you know, certain, I think that's maybe the most restrictive one locally is you do have to be a lawyer to be a judge. Okay. Um, but, but other than that, it's mostly just, you know, kind of age and, citizenship but even with this with this position there's no age requirement on it okay so you're gearing you geared up for the primary because that's over mm -hmm. and so how did you prepare and then well we know the outcome but just tell us the outcome <laughs> okay so so the first thing i'll say is historically black and brown campaigns are historically underfunded. I mean, right. I think that's the biggest thing, right? So the first thing I would say is to get into the space, you know, I've kind of explained what that pathway looks like. The first bubble that I want to pop is do not think for a moment that as soon as you, that as soon as you put your name on the line, people are going to like throw money at you and it's like it's just like this roller coaster. It's like, no, it's it's literally starting a small business in the microwave. And so mm. um having been an entrepreneur, without any traditional institutional lending, I know what it's like to to, to work in lean startup mode and right. to put your own cash up to, you know, do as get as much volunteer uh, you know, work and labor out of folks as possible. And creative I think creative value, I think that's the most important thing. So um, you know, the way that I designed my campaign was very similar to the way that I was coached, but the way I operate my business. So we have what we call power teams. Right. And okay. so our campaign is 100 percent grassroots. We have 100 percent, you know, volunteers on our team. Um, and the way that we have our power teams designed, we have uh, marketing communications, which is called Marcoms, uh, macro, fi mic macro finance, micro finance, policy, intel and data, strategy, field and policy. I think I may say policy twice. Um but yeah, so so as we onboard, oh, and, and events, events and program. Okay. So as we onboard volunteers, it's like, hey, what are you good at, right? So for example, you know, if you think about like the church, the moment that you ask somebody who wants to be an usher to sing in a choir, like you lost that volunteer. Like, right. no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sing, right? Mm -hmm. So what's what's what really works for our campaign is like, hey, whatever your skill set, do you like writing emails? Then join our micro team for copywriting. Do you enjoy? putting on events or join our event group do you enjoy creating or writing policy or like strategy to help with this team and so you know really taking it that way and kind of breaking the old kind of almost like rugged model like it has to look like this it's like yeah. no you know at the end of the day you need to make sure that all the boxes are getting checked and so um so we have i think 61 volunteers right now i think we ballooned up to like maybe 70 at any one point and they're from all over the country like all over the country and so i think the coolest thing about campaigning now is that there are very few positions where you have to physically be in the same city or town right, right. so i mean outside yeah. of knocking doors everything can be done you know remotely right yeah that's great 
So once you won the primary, then what's your next step? Because clearly enough people voted for you, for you to be on the ballot next month. So then what happens? So the way I won my primary was using that power team strategy. <clears throat> and we only raised $1,400. I mean, you know, the guy that my, my primary opponent, ton of respect for him, no love, you know, I mean, no, no love lost. What I say is, you know, the difference of what a lot of people understand that you will not understand as athletes is the guy that I ran in my primary was my competitor. The guy that I'm about to be now is my opponent. And while they sound the same, right. they're two different things. Yeah. Right. So like I beat you, but we're still on the same team. Exactly. And so and so the guy that I'm going to beat, like I, I guess I'm, I'm coming for blood on that one. So um, once we won the primary, then really, you know, the the next few months was just fundraising, 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 what they call call time, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you know, calling folks, calling your network. I think you and I spoke once or twice, just like yeah. saying like, hey, this is what I'm running. Can you pitch in? You know, whatever, whatever either dollars you have, attention you have, can you repost? Just trying to create awareness because, I mean, it, it does require quite a bit of capital. Now, one thing I will say is a lot of folks are like, well, where does the money go to? And it's like, well, think about it this way. If I'm selling, you know, some AirPods, if I'm selling AirPods, this is a product. Mm -hmm. So as a campaign, I'm the product. The only way that folks know about this air, these AirPods is you have to create awareness, right. whether it's ads, whether it's TV time, whether it's events, whether it's meet and greets, like on all, all those things that like cost dollars. And so, you know, it is, it's a pretty expensive thing to be able to do. Um, as a word of caution, like I put, you know, significant, of, you know, significant amount of my own capital in, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest thing I would say is, you know, if you're thinking about going this route, understand what your threshold is. Like, this is how much I can invest in my own my own money. This is how much I think it, we need to be successful. And this is a fluid number, right? right? And so, you know, I would deeply urge, I've seen a lot of folks like, please do not go in debt <laughs> yeah. running for office. There are a lot of folks who do. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, like that person may not run again because that experience was, was, so, was so bitter for them. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, it, it's a grind. I mean, I think that every life skill that we picked up at U of H, I apply here every single day. And it's just to, to keep calling, keep going, keep going. Like that's, that's why we're the school of champions. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I know you've had like a couple fundraisers. Um, so just kind of talk to us about what some of those look like. Like, what did you do to fundraise? What were some of your events? So the biggest thing and, and why I'm so confident that we're going to be successful is the makeup of our district. So mm -hmm. Katie and Cyprus have three of the 10 fastest growing zip codes in the entire country. Right. And 89% of that growth is black and brown. Right. And people are moving from the Bay Area New York, LA, Boston, Philly, Chicago, all progressive places. Right. So, you know, for, for me, I understood that I am the target voter that I have to go get. Right. Mm -hmm. So before this, like I said, like I voted, but I wasn't overly active. I didn't listen to political podcasts. You know, I, mean, I, I was just kind of a regular citizen. So, you know, where I think that where we chose to zig where most people zag, it's like, you know, we had the cigars and Super Bowl ring event and Antoine came out and some other Texans came out. We, we've got a, we got trap karaoke this Saturday. I right? saw so like, that on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, 
The idea is not to get strategically, right? The, the, the idea is not to attract the same Democrats that you know are already going, they're already voting for you. Right. You've got to expand your electorate and you've got to find a middle ground. I think that the biggest thing that a lot of respectfully campaigns do wrong is like they only focus on events and programming that other politicals would go to instead right. of saying, let's cross over. Like, you know, in the middle of having our child karaoke, we're going to have a two or three minute conversation. Like, Look, go vote, go vote. Excuse me, make sure you have your voter registration card. Go vote early. Now back to the party. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, getting folks who typically don't vote engaged. I mean, that's that was President Obama's blueprint. And the last thing I say is um, being a history guy, um, you know, like study the greats, like, like do your research, study the greats, like trying to reinvent the wheel is a waste of time. And so understand the best practices of different electives, different campaigns, different um, candidates and take from each one what works best for you. Yeah. Which does make sense. And like a lot of the places that you've gone to, um, you know, locally, some of them like I had never heard of. So it even like expands like <laughs> our view of like what's in our area um, to be like, oh, OK. And then you see the pictures and it's like, oh, that looks nice. And <sighs> so even with that, like it's still bringing awareness to you, but also to like our local area. Um because the place for the trap karaoke, never even heard of it. Um, never even knew there was something back that far. Right. So, black owned, by the way. Black owned. Yeah, by the see, way. I would have never, I would have never <sighs> known. And like we've gone to like Katie Vibes and like places that are more um, I guess like bigger, bigger mm -hmm. as far as like where it's at, like the visibility. So Katie Vibes, I mean, you're going to pass it every day or right. on I-10 right there. But um, so, yeah, like I'm learning something new just from that, you know, one event. Um, so once you win, what will your position look like? So like, what will you be doing? Are you, is it a position where you, that will be your job? Or is it like something that you'll be doing with your actual job? So once we win, that champagne about to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we are about to go up. We are about to go up. But um, so the position of state representative in Texas is very unique. So it actually the this, the uh, the legislative sessions only occur every other year for six months. Okay. Right. So uh, starting in January, that session goes until, I guess, May or June. Mm -hmm. Then the, that session closes. Now, there's always special hearings and like, you know, like as the job as a state representative does require you to be in Austin quite a bit. But essentially, it would look like me being in Austin from January till June, Monday through Friday, then coming home you know, to my family and stuff for the weekend. I think the other thing that's really important in this role, and again, another reason why <clears throat> I feel really good about our chances is, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of earning enough votes to be elected to represent somebody, but then not going back to say, hey, this is what happened in the session this week, or I voted no on this bill, and this is why, right? And so yeah. I think that the person who's currently in place, but a very common theme, is for folks to get elected and then like not come back around <clears throat> until it's election time. It's like, remember me? Like, come vote. And it's like, well, no, I mean, 
And you know, this is an athlete. Sometimes, you know, this is a coach. You've got to be able to say like, hey, I called this play and it didn't work. And yeah. guys didn't work, but I'm going to get back right back to it. Right. And I think that's a big part that you kind of, you can't shortcut advocating for all of your constituents. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, regardless of whether you have a D next to your name, an R next to your name, independent, like Green Party, whatever, if, you know, when we're elected, it's our job to advocate for every single person. I think that also makes, you know, for me at least, that's a big responsibility. And it's like, yeah, I'd much rather come back to have our monthly, you know, like town hall to say like, this is why I voted for this. This is why I voted against this. Even if, because you know how it is, like what what a citizen may see on the other side of the 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 curtain, maybe like one through five, you may see one through 30. And so it's like, yeah, like there's some stuff here that you don't quite understand. This is why. And right. So, yeah. So to me, it's, it's working in Austin, you know, Monday through Friday, coming home and spend time with family, but then also just being in the community. Yeah. Now, do you get paid? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you guess. I'll let you take a wild guess how much the pay is for this job. I'm just, mm. just throw, throw a number out. When you say kind of, I'm going to go with like a teacher salary and say like 50000 $7,200 a year. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wow. So it ain't about the money. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> um, this is one of the things that, again, makes Texas unique. And, you know, if you think about it as a, as a person of color, as a black person, <clears throat> it is the critique on it is it's a barrier of entry. Right. So you have to be a lawyer, a consultant. Uh, well off, wealthy to mm-hmm. be able to leave your job for six months and still be okay, and then right. go do this work. So you think about like the the teacher who's teaching third grade who like really wants to run. I mean, how do you? Right. How do you? You, you, can't you really that. can't. Mm-hmm. You really can't. And so it is a barrier of entry. Um, you know, like it is what it is. I, I am. I have seen in the past a push for it to become a full time thing, which does kind of lower the bar <clears throat> not not to make it easier to run but more sustainable to run yeah um so yeah i mean it is that is one of the challenges one of the drawbacks is like yeah you're not you're not getting rich doing this but the other thing is like nor should you right so it's like it is a public servant job so it's almost like right. sitting on a school board like that's a pretty like unsexy thing to do it's important but it, it is about about the service yeah wow like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of think about, like, you know, we equate everything to what we see on TV. So mm-hmm. you believe these people who are, like, city council members and, you know, whatever, as far as, like, their characters. And that's what they do. Like, they don't have another job other than like being a politician. Um, right. But on the flip side, a lot of them are crooked in movies and TV shows. <laughs> and right. it's probably because they can't afford it because they don't get paid anything. Not that you are going to be crooked, but. Well, well, t- to the crooked point, this is what I can say. <clears throat> I feel like having been this far in my run, mm-hmm. I see how and where people go off, right? So the first thing here is like, 
you're going to end up being corrupt. Just don't turn corrupt. Everybody does. And it's like, well, and this is an adult audience, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> one of the, just checking. One of the things that was told to me was like, watch out for the political groupies. And I'm like, I played ball. Like, yeah. we had groupie groupies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think I'll be okay in yeah. this space. You know what I mean? And so um, the, the, there's kind of three buckets that I see that people run for mm-hmm. either power, ego, or like we can change something. Right. And you think about like, again, you think about the Obama, you think about the Pete Buttigieg, you think about like the folks, um, like if you go do your history on Sylvester Turner, like Sylvester Turner is a goat. Like that man has done so much amazing work. Rodney Ellis does so much amazing work. And it's like, if you go back and read the old interviews, again, you know, I'm a history nerd, right? So I was kind of like reading up on guys. And it's like, yeah, like they were naive enough to think that they could move the needle like an inch. And it's like, I think those are the folks who you find, again, nobody's perfect. It's not about, you know, it's not about that, but it's like this person's heart is in the right place. Right. Um, But I mean, you do see where it's like, oh, you're your dad groomed you to be this, or, you know, this is the next notch on your belt. And it's like, you know, you know, can you do the job effectively? Maybe, but you know, like this is just like, just like ball. This is, this is a character revealing space. Yeah. And I think that the more you spend time with folks, you can kind of understand what people's intentions are. Yeah. I can understand that. And I can definitely see that because you have, like you're saying, you have to raise money and a lot of times, like, that's where it gets muddled. Like, I'm going to give you something, but you have to give me something back in return. Um, so, yeah, just having those good core values is important. Um, so once you win, how long do you hold office before another election comes up? So it's it's a two-year term. Okay. So you So you spend six months in office. And 18 months running. <laughs> so you're like always <laughs> running. You're Got always it. running. So like for me and my family, like, you know, so when we decided to run, when I decided to run, we had read Michelle Obama's book already. Okay. We had gone to the Becoming Tour. Mm-hmm. And I think we had just started to read President Obama's book together. And, <clears throat> you know, the biggest thing, that, the takeaway from that, those books, those, those learning opportunities was, um, you've really got to navigate the family thing, yeah. right? Like, so like for, for my wife, she was like, you know, I just prefer to stay like, you know, she works in, in, in the community. Like, I prefer to stay out of it. Um, we don't, I don't really bring the kids around much. I mean, if I do, it's like, take the kid, you know right. <laughs> like take the kid to an event. Um, you know, for me, I, I've gotten three death threats already. What? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. Like they, they, they big nervous. They big nervous. Um, the toughest one was uh, so so two two tough run ins. The first one was at the H E B at I ten Pinoak. You can appreciate this. So uh, fighting on this Katie book ban with you know Katie ISD. Yeah, I, I leave the school board meeting and go to H E B or get some some guac. You know, they mm-hmm. guac hit. Um, <laughs> And this guy's like, hey, I heard you're uh, you're that, what do you call me? Uh, queer vegetarian. I was like, queer vegetarian? Like, what? He's like, yeah, you fighting for them gay kids and them books. And oh uh, we God. saw you at a restaurant and you, you had no meat on your plate. And I was like, 
Well, I mean, calling me. Oh, sorry about that. I said, um, I said, uh, so he calls me his queer veget queer vegetarian. And I said, well, calling me a vegetarian is more offensive <laughs> 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 to me to call me queer. Like that doesn't like it doesn't bother me, right? And right. so about three weeks later, we're having dinner with the family, and I get this call, and he's like, I see you, you with your kids and your wife, you have 10 minutes, we're gonna kill you. Da, 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 da. And my wife was like, Yeah, like wow, keep us out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like a thousand percent out. Like I I, I think that. You know, just that, that was all through March. That was all in the primary. Yeah. Um, I think for her, but her takeaway was the resiliency that Michelle Obama writes about. You mm -hmm. can't actually appreciate it. And even that was a snippet compared to like their run in 06, right. 07, 08, right? And so it's like, you know, the flowers that she gets, Michelle Obama, she earns each and every one of them, yeah. you know? That's crazy. And I mean, it's a local election. So I'm guessing that maybe after this, you're you're not going to try to move up and go for an, a higher seat in a different. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> we are 22 days away from victory right now. My eyes are a thousand percent on this prize. Yeah, I'm working to be the next day rep in one, three, two. I think that <clears throat> I don't plan on being a politician, like a lifelong politician. I think that you know we talked about like ten years of service, okay. wherever that takes us, wherever you know what I mean. But it's like yeah. I don't, you know, my my vision is to get Texas back on track and and move back out of the way. Now I will say this: I have two. And this is before. This is before I chose to run. I've got two really audacious goals that I want to check off. The first one is I want to fix middle school athletics in Texas, right? So yeah. right now, you'd like to say we're producing the best athletes, but we're not, right? Yeah. Like Florida produces better athletes. And, you know, I think that we do youth sports better than any any state. I think that we do high school high sports school. Yeah. better than any sport. But that middle school space, mm -hmm. we, that we lose a lot of kids in that in that window, and we don't develop. And so, like you can drive by <clears throat> Cinco Ranch, whatever high school, Sienna doesn't matter. If you drive by a middle school during athletics, it looks like a prison jail hour. Like like it, it's it's too many kids for yeah. coach, and it's like there's no way instruction is happening. And so, the first thing I want to fix excuse me, it's middle school athletics in, in Texas. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want to fix, I I want to be a part of establishing an Ivy League for HBCUs. Oh. Right. I and like so, that. and again, this this is as like, we went to PWIs, right? right? So it's like, so thinking about, yeah, so, you know, if you think about it, you've got, you know, Brown, Harvard, Yale, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are extremely rigorous academic schools for sure but right. you think about like <clears throat> xavier new orleans mm -hmm. morehouse spellman you know they're like so many world-class hbcus right. that you know the average person who gets into you know like cal can't get into morehouse right and so it's like you know i would love to be a part of you know the beginning of a equivalent it obviously it wouldn't be like the ivy it'd be called something else right but like the ivy league of like actually establishing this is the upper crest mm -hmm. of hbcus 
So that that's the other cool thing I want to I want to be a part of before. Like those that, that's on my bucket list. Yeah, and it's funny because I kind of thought there was a tier, but maybe it's more of a popularity tier and not a academic tier. Yeah. Um, because obviously we didn't go to an HBCU, but like you always hear about Hampton and Morehouse and um Xavier, um, but then there's like. Like, on social media realize like there's so many that you've never even heard of um i mean obviously for us we know about tsu we know about prayer view but right. for me like living in new jersey there's one uh called lincoln it's either in i think it's in pennsylvania or delaware or somewhere um but it's not that far from me but i never even heard of it never heard of um it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I thought it was more of like a popularity tier, but I do think that that would be a pretty cool, you know, thing to like get yeah. into. Yeah. And, and just establish like this is a bar. Right. So like, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying like, you know, like Hampton, like, like that's it. Right. I'll settle on U of H. I'll settle on A&M, UT. But like, that's my goal. And having it validated with this is what the academic rigor there, you know, like this is, you know, it's equivalent to a Brown or MIT, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever yeah. else. And so, yeah, that's, that's, I want to be a part of building that. Yeah. My cousin's husband went from Cornell to Hampton. Like he transferred. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was just as much work. So exactly. Definitely. You know, it's not, not like a community college. Right. Um, and I think that that would be good too because a lot of times, like even like you know we have like division two and division three schools and all that kind of stuff, and you don't really hear about a lot of them. Um, but I think for the HBCUs that would be good because it gives like more visibility to. I mean, there could be a school that we don't know about that's an HBCU that has like a really vigorous program um but you just you know it's not as popular but well, it may be just as as hard well one thing you just said and <clears throat> you know my vision for how sister 132 and I, I went to school here like my high school is in my district i went to south Springs high school okay and so you know it's like my vision for katie and cypress is ambitious but I think that if you, instead of viewing Katie as Katie and Cyprus as Cyprus, if it's actually one, three, two, one, yeah. like it can be the Fort Worth for Houston, right? So like yeah. by population, Katie is the same size as Pittsburgh. Really? Like so a lot of people don't realize how, how yeah. So, so the population of Katie and like, you know, like Katie proper, like, like right, the surrounding yeah. Katie, 300,000, north of 300,000 people. I had no you put, idea. Well, yeah, by the traffic guy, I mean, it makes sense. Once you hear it, it makes sense, right? Yeah. And so, so you think about putting Katie and Cypress together, now you're talking about the population of Miami. Mm. And so it's like, instead of it being, and again, I grew up in, in Cypress, like people who live in Cypress don't go to Katie, people who go to Katie don't go to Cypress. But it's like, if we were to put it together, why don't we have a concert hall out here? Why don't we have 
museum, a museum district? Why haven't we attracted another? So we have U of H, we have Monster, we have HCC. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we attracted a satellite location for Texas Tech or A&M or UT? You know, minor league sports teams, Division right. One, Two, II, and Three uh, championships, mm-hmm. right? And it's because, respectfully, we've been playing small ball. Like, like right. as you know, I, I, I love where I live. I grew up here, but it's like, no, if we take a step back, like, and and speaking to the economic development community in both Katy and Cyprus, yeah, like we can sustain it. Like we don't have a luxury hotel. We just got like suburban, like Hilton Regular, extended yeah. stays and, you know, place for AAU baseball. And, you know what I mean? So, I mean, nice, cool. But it's like, yeah, why do I have to drive 35 miles to go have a $200 dinner? You know what I mean? It's just like everything is just so suburban. And, you know, my, my vision is progressive. However, it does fit. There you go, buddy. <laughs> it does. It, it does fit the constituency, right? And so yeah. you think about the the layout and the demographics of the constituency in 2016. You think about the difference of the constituency in 2018. Oh. By the way, this seat was flipped in 2018. A Democrat mm. sat in this seat just one cycle previous. Yeah. Right. So like this seat is absolutely flippable, but it is going to take. Conversations like this, right. and conversation, you know, folks with like that, that, that look like you and I, just to say, like, go vote, just right. go vote, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I mean, when you're talking about the concert hall and you're talking about the minor league teams, Sugarland, that's the first thing that popped in my head, and it's not that far from us, and they have both. Yeah, so so, so they have. Constellation Field, which is amazing. I went to the Diwali Festival Saturday. Beautiful. Like, yeah. They had like 13,000 people packed out. Then they've got um, Smart Financial. Well, I forgot the name of Smart Smart Financial. And yeah. they're, they're building a concert hall right now. I'm not sure if you saw that. They're building, they're breaking ground on like a brand new state of the art concert hall. Yeah, that's like, why like I said classical. Sugarland. Yeah. Because um, I work over there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, and even something like Constellation Field and um, Smart Financial, like if we had something like Smart Financial, that would be great. I mean, that yeah. I've been to lots of concerts and events there, um, and you can never think that people are not going to come because, because they're always booked. Constantly exactly. Booked. You know, I saw so, Lucha so- Keys there. I saw Eric, Erica Badu there. I mean, people go. People do go That's there. Right. So. That's right. Yeah. So, so just think, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much out, but like my goal is to have a one three two day. So, House History one three two, which falls on or around May twelfth. Okay. So, the first thing I want to do is have like a ticker tape parade, and just have like confetti falling for our state champions and our all a honor roll and our national honor society and yeah. like our, our our folks that are in the arts our, our folks who are doing who are tight in the business just to celebrate how diverse so again you think about you know for us as people of color black people it's like you got to go into downtown to celebrate mlk day yeah you know for the brothers and sisters in the muslim pop community they have to go into you know like either sugarland a leaf downtown to, to celebrate eba bark Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like, yeah, like, you know, again, statistically, we know that we have the infrastructure and the population to support all the different cultures that make us unique. Right. And so it's just about it's just about taking that veil of oppression down and saying, like, you know, yeah, like I, 
we are beautifully diverse. As a, yeah. I'll just say that as a community, we are beautifully diverse, and it's just time that our rep, our community, our, our leadership reflect that reflect that those values. Yeah, and I think that's great. And I, I like when I saw that you were running and you ran into Jasmine at the gym, and she's like, "Girl, you know Cam is running for office." And you know when people say office, you're like, "He's trying to be the mayor." <laughs> like what is she's like no i don't think it's like that far up but so she told me to like look you up on facebook because you told her to go to coach cam um and then i have went like and looked and i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, with, yeah with, that was so. the one thing i always loved about y'all was like you know like y'all were y'all have always been a squad like it's, it's like 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 the track squad has always been a squad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like I still keep up with Kikoa. I still keep up with Slim. Yeah. Um, I spoke to Quante out of the blue about a month ago. I keep up with a handful of guys. Yeah. But like 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 the women's track group, it was just like, you know, just thick and thin. You yeah. know? We are I, always, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to talk about all things politics. Um, hopefully I'm going to talk to Jasmine. Maybe we'll show up on Saturday, do some karaoke. You know y'all better pull up. You know y'all better pull up. Yeah, now that I'm feeling better, I can actually get out and do things. Um, so I'm excited about it. But, um, any words that you want to say to anybody, everybody before we actually wrap up? Yeah, so what I would say is, You know, the folks who are watching, the folks who are listening, we know you're going to vote, right? Like, like you know, you, you talk about like preaching to the choir. We know that the folks who are watching right now are the choir. What I would ask is <clears throat> not only for those who are watching to share this uh, this episode with someone, but take somebody out to, to the polls. And, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that I would say in our community, we have a very bad history of it's like outthinking ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so what I would say simply is... You know, your vote is so powerful. The person who, I told you, Gina Kalani won this seat in 2018 by 103 votes. Wow. 103 votes, right? And so ultimately what we know is (laughs) um, the same way Big Mama had that crown rollback under her purse, under her mattress, Mm -hmm. you only hide things that are valuable. Yeah. And the fact that the GOP is hiding our vote and making it harder to vote and have eliminated 24-hour voting and have eliminated drive-through voting, like yes. it's it's that should tell you something. They're hiding something that's valuable. Yeah. So use it. So use it. Well, Cam, like I said, I know that you are going to be successful next month. And I am going to be there on Saturday. Yeah, we'll here we talk go. And figure out like how I can help you with this campaign now that I'm out and about. Yeah. So you know we go we're gonna make this work. We're gonna make it shake. We're Push gonna make it all shake all the way to the end. We're gonna make one three two forever blue. That's the goal. Hey, that sounds good to me. All right, Cam. Yeah. I appreciate you. And again, good luck. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap on another amazing episode. I know that you were just as inspired as I was after listening to that conversation. And to let us know how we're doing, don't forget to leave us a review, like, 
share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow us on all social media platforms from YouTube to Facebook at The Color of Influence and on Instagram, the underscore color underscore of underscore influence. You can check out all of our episodes and additional content on our website, thecolorofinfluence.com. And that's an in only for influence. And don't forget to share the podcast with someone you know and have them share the podcast with someone they know. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, peace out.